On a recent morning, Elena Koshil drives along Kreshatik, the main boulevard through downtown Kiev. Elena's driving her Mitsubishi Colt to her job running a TV production company. She's 32, blonde and willowy. Like many Ukrainian professionals, she speaks several languages. Where are we going? To Maidan? We pull over on the wide sidewalk near Maidan Nezalezhnosti, which means Independence Square. It's been called that since 1991, when Ukraine won independence from the Soviet Union. And here, eight years ago, Elena tells me she felt her life change for good. Suddenly, at one moment, uh, everybody understood that it's the moment that you can decide and you have to take part. And it was uh, very new for me, for example, and I think for many people. Elena's talking about Ukraine's Orange Revolution. In November 2004, she was among thousands who crowded into the square to protest results of the presidential election. Elena and her husband had driven all over Kiev to paste flyers on bus stops. The flyers said, Don't go to work, just go to Maidan uh, tomorrow because it's our last chance. Elena and the other protesters believed the vote had been rigged in favor of a pro-Russia candidate. After two weeks of protests, the Ukrainian government allowed new elections to take place. And that time, opposition candidate Viktor Yushchenko won. Elena was thrilled. And for about a year, she says, the country seemed transformed. But slowly, she says, the energy of the Orange Revolution faded. Three years ago, Ukrainians elected the pro-Russia candidate who'd been defeated in the Orange Revolution. Viktor Yanukovych. The new government has put some Orange Revolution leaders in jail. That's upset the European Union and upset middle-class Ukrainians who want more links with Western Europe. At this point, Elena is both frustrated and defiant. I don't think that we lost because you never lost your experience. You never lose your experience. If you lived the experience, so you have that and this is yours. Meanwhile, Elena's own life has changed a lot since those heady days of protest. Elena now has two children. They live in an apartment in central Kiev in a hundred-year-old building. Elena and her husband got a bank loan to buy the apartment and renovate it. They took out all of the Soviet-era touches. The closet-sized bathroom became a closet, and the old kitchen became the bathroom. It's very great to have a bathroom because bathroom, you have to have a room <laughs> to have a bathroom with a window and uh, so big, it's like um, extraordinary. Elena says for herself and her circle of friends, this is how they define middle class. Having enough money to own an apartment and a car and to travel abroad. She and her family live comfortably, but Elena's husband, Dennis, says this sense of comfort pretty much ends at their front door. Dennis says what's lacking for the middle class is any kind of social protection, as far as health care is concerned or the legal system. And what's more, he says, government bureaucracy makes it hard to run a business. He should know. He's co-owner of a public relations firm. He says things are getting more corrupt again under the Yanukovych regime. More people are talking about how it's becoming pointless to live here, Dennis says and it would be better to leave. But he and Elena have no plans to go. They care too deeply about Ukraine. 
After their children were born, Dennis even switched from his native Russian to speaking Ukrainian all the time. Dennis says this means his wife will usually get the upper hand when they argue, since she's a native Ukrainian speaker. Elena grew up in a provincial city. Her mother was a pediatrician and her father an engineer. They were solidly middle class. Except this was the Soviet Union, so the middle class didn't really exist. Elena remembers going to Soviet military parades with her family. From somewhere, my father brought uh, these balloons, and I was like, it was like a miracle, these balloons. I liked it very much. Balloons felt like a miracle because her parents didn't have much. In 1991, when Ukraine became a new country, they suddenly had even less. My parents uh, were not paid uh, on their work, and it was like very difficult. There was no money, like there's no money at all. Just there's no money, <laughs> and uh, that's all. Still, Elena's parents insisted that she go to a good school in Kiev. Elena paid her rent in the city by bringing food from the countryside on a two-hour train ride. It eventually paid off. Elena got into university in Kiev and started working as a journalist. Within 10 years, she went from hauling plucked chickens on the train to being a national TV editor. Like her country, Elena's been running full tilt for 20 years. She needed determination and energy to succeed in the face of historic change, but now things have started to slow down, and Elena's not sure she likes that. She describes her current state, half humorously, as a kind of stagnation, an existential crisis. Because uh, everything has happened already. Exciting as her life has been, Elena doesn't want her children to feel the same pressures that she did. Her daughter Sonia, who's six, has a mobile phone, and three-year-old Marcus knows how to navigate a laptop computer. After Sonia asked for a dog for three years, Elena got her one. She has to experience that uh, dreams, uh, if you want something, dreams come true. Just to experience this uh, in her life. And in the children's bedroom, the floor is covered in balloons. For The World, I'm Julia Barton, Kiev.